0: In the me me I am up my line, I am up my line.
1: I am ma na, Na na, na
0: me, Na na me, Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4 Z 102.1 FM. It's your local community radio station that you are tuned to. And my name's Andy and I'll be hanging out with you for the next hour. Coming to you this week from Awabakal land in Newcastle, Mullabimba. Um, I've been down here for the last week and a bit and why i'm down here well that is what you are going to be hearing over the course of the show i came for the people's blockade of the world's biggest coal port the port here at newcastle uh, transports coal from the hunter valley of course um, all the way out to uh, my hometown of Mudgee, where there's three coal mines out there and all across new south wales and exports it to the world just this little uh, piece of maritime infrastructure contributes a massive proportion of the world's carbon emissions. And of course, uh, there's many big companies uh, that make a lot of money out of this and many other people along the way, government royalties and things like that. But the other side of the equation is that these profits are causing devastation to the world's climate. So, uh, last weekend, Around 2,000 people from across the country got together to paddle out um, and block off this port for 30 hours. And it was a lot of fun. It was a big sort of festival atmosphere, big communal cook-ups and um, music, dance, a lot of uh, workshops and a lot of uh, good people from across the country hanging out, um, reunions of different activists who've been involved in different campaigns, everything like that. And also um, a high-profile act of mass civil disobedience for the climate, which um, many people would agree is something that we are going to need if we're going to have a chance of doing anything about the climate crisis. Um, Our political system is just not proving up to the task at the moment. And so we're going to need some other way for ordinary people to stand up and have their voices heard. The organisers of this event, an organisation called Rising Tide, um, thought that this kind of very public mass Civil disobedience is one way to do that. And so we will hear from Naomi Hodgson, one of those organisers. We'll also hear from Anna Three, who is a, a Queenslander who came down and got arrested for the first time after 30 hours of blocking the port. There were about 100 people who then stayed out there to block the port for an extra few hours, refusing to leave and forcing the um, arm of the law to act on behalf of the fossil fuel industry. Um, I guess it's a demonstration to us all, ultimately, of what our society is like. Um, so we hear from Anna, and then i also speak to Hannah Dool, who is part of organising another climate event this weekend. It's called a cop-out, Climate Cop-out, uh, which is happening in Sydney, and it is to coincide with the... A conference of parties, a big UN climate meetup that happens once a year. It's happening this weekend in Dubai, in the United Arab Emirates, um, where, of course, many uh, fossil fuel companies, such as those that finance the United Arab Emirates, will uh, get together to try to stymie any kind of um, radical action that might radically change the course of carbon emissions, which is leading us into so much trouble. So, Uh, Hannah's one of a group of people that are trying to make a regular event where we make a kind of conference of the people to challenge the conference of the party, so I will hear from her. Of course, there's plenty of other climate action going on across the country, um, which I do encourage you to get involved in. Uh, Maybe you'll be inspired by the end of this show. Let's start off listening to Naomi. I'm Naomi, aka
1: Gnomes from Rising Tide.
0: And this weekend you've been quite busy organising a mass blockade of the world's biggest coal port here in Newcastle. Can you tell us, I guess to start off with, why did you plan this event?
1: Well, we felt like we needed a huge event to kickstart a mass-scale civil resistance movement against... Um, ongoing coal exports and against ongoing fossil fuel expansion in this country, which is one of the most intense sites of um, fossil fuel extraction on the entire planet in an era of climate emergency.
0: So a lot of people gathered from all across the country. How many people uh, came here?
1: I don't know the final figures on official registration. I think it was something like 1,500 but a lot of people didn't register, as it goes. Um, so it, I, I'm thinking well over 2,000 were participating, but um, it's hard to gauge the exact numbers. There was a lot of locals that came and went for a few hours and had a paddle or hung out for a bit, and um, we, didn't, we didn't get the total figures. But um, yeah, it was definitely thousands, and there was always a solid presence on the water and on the beach at every time, which was really lovely.
0: Yeah, so can you uh, give us a bit of a description of what it looked like?
1: Yeah, so we had a camp, a protest camp in the park that was immediately behind the beach that um, connects to the harbour. So there was like many, many dozens of tents and some big marquees and we had lots of meeting spaces for various um, workshops and discussions and there was lots of blue bunting that people in the local community had um, sewed together that was decorating the space and banners about um, the climate crisis and Cole's contribution to it that were strung up around and a huge kitchen with absolute legends that were cooking for the masses and then on the beach um we had a stage and lots of um, pop-up marquees along the beach and an amazing array of vessels um, including some spectacular homemade rafts and pontoons that people were launching onto the shipping channel and occupying a space for 32 hours
0: and then at the end of it there was over 100 people arrested
1: Yeah, so the police gave approval for the protest, um, sort of an unprecedented level of disruption that the police approved. They let us um, officially disrupt the um, export of coal from the world's largest coal port for 30 hours from 10am on the Saturday until 4pm on Sunday. And then um, over 100 people chose to remain in the shipping channel beyond that official approval period. And... Um, 109 people were arrested for that um, ongoing disruption of the coal export industry. Hmm.
0: So it was uh, a big disruptive protest, but also it was a big party. There was live music and a, a lot of people gathering and a lot of frivolities. What's the importance of that, do you think? Or is that just a side show to get people there for the, um, for the hardcore blockading?
1: I think that it does act to attract people to the movement, but that is, there's something inherently important about having an attractive spirit at the heart of a disruptive movement, because we want to seed hope and inspiration in the broader community. We don't want it to be an exclusive activity for people that are Um, that identify as the most hardcore or radical. We want want people to have fun and we want it to be lighthearted as well as being meaningful so that everybody has an excellent time as well as like the most meaningful time of their lives and they tell all of their friends and family that it's uh, an experience that that they don't want to miss out on and next time the prospect of us being ten times as big as we were this weekend is um, feasible and, and that's our aim. And so it's, it's strategic that it's fun, um, but it's also something that is important for expressing the way that we want the world to be.
0: And you gathered people from across the country and you did put the call out uh, specifically and, and travelled around across the country asking people to come here. Um, but then once people were here, there was a sort of, this uh, encouragement for people to be with people from their geographic area and to build those connections. Um, I guess what's the strategy, do you think, for that, of getting people to come to Newcastle but organise in their local group?
1: Well, choosing a focus for across this continent is important because... We can build more power and momentum when we have a unified focus and have a a landmark struggle. So Newcastle as the site of the world's largest coal port is um, an obvious one to choose. It's like a a key battleground in the transition away from reliance on fossil fuels. Um, But people have come from all over the continent and they're, like lives and their communities in their home regions uh, where it's more practical for them to continue organising. And so the connections and relationships that they can build with people that, that they live close to um, make sense in terms of building power and um, like the infrastructure that will allow us to continue to build our movement going forward.
0: What is the plan going forward? There's been a, a bit of talk of a rising tide kind of uh, strategy Um, what does it look like in the future?
1: Well, um, 2024, we have huge plans and we intend on doing a speaking and action tour. So um, Mm -hmm. last year we did a bit of a tour to promote the blockade with just three of us and that um, successfully built momentum towards bringing people here um, for the blockade that we just held. So next year, mid-year, we plan to have, like, 50 to 100 people travelling from city to city and not only doing um, public forums with um, frontline voices and high profile people endorsing our approach, but also doing disrupt- disruptive actions, targeting decision makers or, um, or fossil fuel companies um, and demonstrating our DNA, which is to to target the problem at its source with non-violent direct action. So building momentum um, one city at a time and including people in those local areas as we go. Um, So that's going to be a big thing mid-year. And then um, at the end of the year, about a year from now, we intend on having 10,000 people across 10 days of blockading. So similar, similar vibe that we just had over the weekend, protestable atmosphere, Um, music and workshops and um, talks, but also uh, disruptive action and training in order to pull off that disruptive action and building people's commitment and um, interconnection with the growing movement at the same time.
0: It was a big effort this weekend for uh, 1,500, 2,000 people, um, but you're not feeling daunted by the prospect of 10,000?
1: I think it's just necessary. I think I want to try and um, help do my bit to preserve uh, life on this planet and the diversity of human society and culture and I think it's possible because we've seen throughout history that like huge social change can be achieved by mass participation in civil disobedience and If it can be done in the past, then why can't we do it now when absolutely everything is at stake? Like this is the biggest issue, the biggest justice issue that humanity has ever faced and we have to throw everything at it and I believe that it's possible that transformative change can occur, especially when we're in... chaos realms of non-linear change which we are like things are changing really quickly so we have to bring people together and have a go
0: what's been the response from other groups to I guess um this kind of strategy that requires a lot of people and from across the country um I guess how have people responded to um rising tide kind of coming forward and saying this
1: I think it's been really positive. Like, There's been a a significant diversity of different groups that came together to participate in the People's Blockade and it was really beautiful to see that sort of unity and I think that people are ready for a grand vision because there's a sense that we need power, like we, we really need to build our power. We're up against it with the fossil fuel industry like they're more powerful than the government on in this country and so we need to come together for um common cause if we're going to have any hope in having a real impact to avert climate catastrophe and to um do our bit to protect the most vulnerable communities in the world Mm.
0: All right. Well, if people want to find out more about Rising Tide and the plans for the future and if they want to get involved, how can they do that?
1: Well, the best way would be if people are committed to joining this type of resistance movement and participating in these big moments of nonviolent direct action and civil resistance would be to take our climate defence pledge. And people can do that at risingtide.org.au. And that means that they're going to commit to participate in um, disruptive action or to support those who do so.
0: All right. Thanks very much, Naomi, for the interview and also for all the work that went into organising this event.
1: Thanks for coming to the People's Blockade, Andy, and thanks for your reporting.
0: Naomi Hodgson from Rising Tide, and as she said, there will be more from Rising Tide, so keep your eyes peeled if it sounds like something that you would like to be involved in. Somebody else who was there is Anna Three. Um, she's a vet from the Sunshine Coast, and she was down there to paddle out in a kayak and block the world's biggest coal port, and in the end, was one of over 100 people arrested for doing so. I sat down to have a chat with Anna about why she would want to do that.
2: Hi, my name's Anna. Uh, I'm from Sunshine Coast. And um, I'm a veterinarian and public health advocate and climate activist.
0: And you're down here in Newcastle, a long way from the Sunshine Coast. And yesterday you were paddling around in Newcastle Harbour when you were rudely interrupted by the police Can you tell us what it's all about? How come you came down here and um, what were you doing um, breaking the law like that?
2: Yeah, well I heard uh, there's this group Rising Tide and they had planned um, a massive event uh, over the weekend to have the uh, Harbour just occupied for over 30 hours. And so um, I thought it was a really great opportunity to raise awareness amongst the general populous about the impact of fossil fuels and especially coal and I thought it would be really effective to have just a whole heap of people out there in the harbour just creating that visual effect as well as just showing how much support there is for a, a different future.
0: You are one of over a hundred people that got arrested I mean do you think that's important to have like a big number or do you think it's more important to be the one person who's doing it when nobody else will do it how did you that thought process go?
2: Yeah, I think there's really a benefit to both. We have seen a lot of those kind of actions as well with individuals just being really bold and brave and locking on potentially to equipment and things like that for long periods of time or climbing onto bridges. Um, Personally, for me, I just think physically it's not something that I could do, but I felt I could be involved in this action, so I wanted to do what I could. Um, And I also thought, I know the organisers of this Rising Tide event have put a lot of effort into the planning and... um, they were really hoping to get a lot of people out there, particularly I think for the the visual effect and also to show just how many people are willing to get arrested for this kind of action. So that was kind of my thinking and how I wanted to be involved.
0: Um, What was the experience like of both um, paddling out where you're not supposed to and then I guess going through all the arrest and things like that?
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not, not a huge paddler. I'm not <laughs> super strong. Uh, I ended up on one of the uh barrel creations. Uh if people are unaware, it was basically some big barrels uh joined together with some bamboo poles, zip ties, and some classic plastic chairs. So it wasn't the most seaworthy vessel. Um it was also very cumbersome to paddle. Uh I was on uh with another four guys. So um, it was alright, we got out, uh, but then when the tides started coming in a little bit stronger we were getting actually like swept a bit away from the bunch, uh, which was a bit tiring, um, but we were fine. Just chilling. Um, and then yeah, eventually the cops still came and picked us up uh, off the water. Um, and then they just let all the kayaks and vessels go, which I thought was a bit weird. shit of them. So, yeah, so other people had to go and get those kayaks later after the police just littered the waterways with a number of kayaks and barrel vessels. Yeah, um, but the arrest, that process, it, it was okay because they basically just came in their big boat and then we complied with them and they asked us to climb aboard their big police vessel. It was a very smooth ride back to the wharf on their, I'm sure, very expensive police boat. (laughs) Um, But we did have to wait around at the wharf area to get processed for a couple of hours. And everyone obviously was wet and I was cold and tired as well. And then I got a migraine, which did not help. So that was a bit rough for me. But I think it was a really nice vibe because a lot of other activists were supporting from outside singing and things like that and being there to support people when they were let out. Uh, and then the general mood of the other people that was arrested was pretty high. I think morale was pretty high. So that was nice.
0: I'm interested, you have been involved in party politics before. You've run as a candidate and things like that. Um, and this is a sort of different aspect of doing politics. I guess, how, how do you think the two compare? And what leads you to, to do this one um, as well as trying in the past to do party politics?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a bit of a spectrum in a way, but also just approaching issues from different angles. It helps to have the political support as well behind actions like this. And then I think actions like this just go to kind of stretch the window of what's possible and what the people actually want. There's only so much you can achieve by writing to your MP or um, signing petitions. So At some point, I think we have to recognize the situation that we're in and it's actually it's kind of almost too late, really. We're actually at this point just trying to minimize the damage uh, in terms of climate change impacts. So I think the fact that maybe some people might think that this is extreme is actually more surprising given we've already seen the bushfires and uh, floods as well in Australia recently. As a veterinarian the impacts on wildlife through the bushfires, bushfires was really um, just so sad for me personally to know how much they were suffering and how many animals died just through our impacts. And I think um, we just can't keep having these severe impacts so regularly because the systems can't cope, professionals who are working in these systems can't cope, um, the general public and people who are losing their houses, uh, that, that is just extremely damaging. So I think we need to be just really ramping up in terms of the actions that we're taking. And I think the political process has just shown it they're too slow and they're also captured by these large corporations who are capable of donating and um, donating large sums of money and then influencing the political outcome.
0: Mm. I was going to ask you about, um, as a vet, um, how that professional position, um, how climate change relates to that.
2: Yeah, so my interest is the connection between human health, animal health and the environmental health that we all inhabit, a shared environment. So that's called One Health. Um, And there are a lot of vets that are involved in that. It's not so much a movement, but basically a way of looking at health as a collective whole and it's not something that you can separate the health of animals from the health of people and for me that's a reason as well that I take climate um, action because I can just see that if we don't have a safe climate we're all going to suffer and we're all you know to suffer to varying degrees I guess but it just doesn't make sense to me that we try and separate things out into these um, different spheres without recognizing that we're all going to be impacted.
0: All right. Well, you've now um, entered the uh, realm of the criminal class. Um, what comes next for you?
2: I don't know. Hey, does it just put you on a path where you just take <laughs> further and further action? Uh, I'm not sure. But also, uh, it seems that you can do things in different states uh, and maybe the, the, <laughs> the um, penalties are a little less severe if you don't have prior convictions in that state. So um, keen to explore the possibilities uh, in other jurisdictions <laughs>
0: <laughs> alright thanks very much Anna
2: thanks for all you do and all your recording uh, of this event and uh, promoting uh, the issues, thanks
0: <laughs> you're listening to the Paradigm Shift on 4 Z, we were speaking with Anna 3 who just participated in a climate blockade um, for of the world's biggest coal port here in Newcastle and she has joined the ranks of those who have taken civil disobedience It's a proud Um, history in this country and around the world of people who have put their bodies uh, in between the natural environment and the industries that would seek to destroy it for their own profit. And so good on you, Anna, for uh, joining that number. It was a bit of a celebration of environmental climate activism uh, over the weekend, a big gathering. And there'll be another gathering are happening this weekend in Sydney on Gadigal country, and it is to coincide with COP28, the UN climate gathering, which is happening in the United Arab Emirates, where there'll be a bit of an audit of how countries are doing in uh, reducing their emissions to try to meet the Paris climate goals. And I haven't been privy to see that exact report, but I can tell you that... We're not doing very well, Uh, not doing nearly as well as all those governments said that they would um, seven years ago when they made those climate goals. And so ordinary people need to keep putting the pressure on them. Let's hear from Hannah about how they're planning to do that.
3: Hi, my name's Hannah, and I'm helping organise climate cop-out in Sydney this year.
0: So um the cop summit the council of parties they've been going this is a 28th one and uh, they've often been met with protests why this time um are you trying to organize protests around cop
3: well i guess coming into what's set to be a very very dry summer it feels like a good time to remind everyone that world leadership and world systems are failing us and i think it's always probably. A good time to point out some greenwashing when there's a really well set up system that's looking to make the climate crisis look like it's all under control when it's clearly not. This year we're hoping to start off a hopefully annual event of collaboration that's like a routine period of time in the climate movement's calendar where we get together and try and join forces and make as much happen as possible and get a bit of a melting pot of activity
0: so um you mentioned collaboration there's a number of different environmental groups i guess with different focuses how um do you see that working collaborating across different groups
3: the mobilization has a framework of just any action is good or action goes that doesn't physically harm life so we're welcoming all sorts of tactics Um, that fit that criteria and supporting people to bring whatever action to the table they can to invite others to join in on that and to support each other in those actions so there'll be like a variety of different things happen throughout the days and we're hoping small affinity groups will go and do side things that we don't even necessarily know about yet and then we'll also have a community space at Addison Road where we're going to be meeting and having shared food to like have a sense of Connection and meeting people and talking about the things that have happened, and that's also where the workshops will be based so we can be learning from each other and hopefully, like, expanding our politics and our skills.
0: How important do you think that is, people getting together in a a shared space?
3: Oh, it's essential. If you look at the radical climate spaces, you know, you'll see people recognising each other from, like, years ago and, you know, catching up on past projects or you know, introducing each other to different people. Um, new people coming in maybe will like develop their understanding of what's happening through conversations and through getting to know the people. It's often what ke- keeps people around and gets people thinking about the world in new ways. It's like the world's not really set up for people to engage in like a side political project over here and have a great sense of meaning from it without the relationships, because like that culture and those, those spaces would just be so like stilted without the relationship so sharing food and getting together is like a very effective way of like quickly building community and building a network that is you know willing and ready to expand their takes on the world and how they want to engage in it.
0: So from Brisbane some of us have been watching uh, activism happening in Sydney you've been a part of it they're trying to organise and there's certainly over the last couple of years been a trend of very heavy policing there um even since the change of government i guess what are the effects of that on trying to organize in sydney and what do you think about going into trying to organize this how has it affected you
3: oh, new south wales police's mandate to tackle protests seems to have increased from my observations but also having lived in brisbane for the few years prior to that it's, it's hard to know it's definitely more extreme than what it is in brisbane and i think that a lack of street based pro- protest is like a big problem because it allows them to like further creep and creep like so that any sort of disruption is like just deemed super extreme and they you know have the social license to go to these ridiculous measures of pulling over random cars and searching them that have nothing to do with the protest or whatever it is that we've seen in the last few years of them you know really increasing their policing tactics i think it means that it's a really important time to be pushing back and to be bringing a variety of different groups together to be connected to street-based tactics, even if they're not doing them. And I think that that kind of increases the protection and the social license of those tactics. I think it's like also really important for the people that have been, you know, it was like these new alliances that have developed since like significant crackdown and the formation of Strike Force Guard, which is a strike force dedicated to policing protest. There's been like protect protest alliances. I guess actually they were primarily formed around the introduction of the new anti-protest laws. But I think that having those Protect Protest alliances, actually giving them clear invitations and opportunities to join the practising of protest is really important because I think that's really how we're gonna protect protest is by having more people participate in it.
0: Will you be paying attention to what happens at COP and the decisions made? I mean, how much relevance do you think that has to Australian climate policy and then how Australian people need to be responding?
3: Oh, I think it's definitely good that we watch COP so that we know what we're talking about. Um, And we're going to start the whole period of action with a workshop exploring, you know, how Conference of Parties emerged, like the context of the UN, how that emerged, even going a bit further back, and what compatibility Conference of Parties has with creating meaningful climate change. And a bit of a spoiler, we think that there's not a huge compatibility because climate change is a systemic issue and COP is, you know... A facade basically to hide the lack of climate action and, and or to make it look like there's some sense of responsibility over the crisis when absolutely everybody's re- avoiding responsibility and making as much money as they can as quickly as they can while it's the going still good enough so I think it's good that we follow what happens and also reflect on what's happened in the past the outcomes that have come out of the past and how little has been done about them I don't think we're in any way well, me personally I don't think I'm Protesting it with the idea of lobbying the outcome to have better decisions made because those decisions aren't enforced and aren't practiced, and also generally probably don't have the best interests of most people at heart.
0: So, what will you be doing uh, during COP? What do we look forward to seeing next weekend?
3: Um, yeah, so we're going to start with a workshop on. Yeah, exploring COP and getting people to understand it a bit more, hopefully. And then in terms of the actions on the Friday, we've got an early morning bike ride. People from Brisbane might remember the cycle for climate that used to happen every Friday. So inspired by that a slow bike ride through the streets of Sydney and hopefully New South Wales police can adapt to that happening. Um, And then that Arvo, we're going to have a speak out in the city, just a small rally thing. And then the next day there's a bigger rally organized by the Sydney Climate Coalition, which is a whole bunch of groups that come together. So we're kind of building it around that in the idea to get a bit more collaboration happening. And then on the Sunday, we're gonna start with a panel on building grassroots power and end with a workshop on what we wanna do next year and how we wanna make it happen. And if we're keen as a movement to embed this as a part of our activist calendar.
0: All right, so people are interested in finding out more. How can they, by the time this goes to air, it'll already be happening, you'll be there. How can, um, how can we follow from afar?
3: Um, so Climate Cop Out has got a Facebook page where we can be posting some of the stuff that comes out. We've also got a website, climatecopout.com, and yep, you can sign up there, which will also get you on a mailing list, which could be good for future things.
0: All right. Thanks very much, Duel. Thanks, Andy. Hannah Dool, who's part of organising Climate Cop Out protests uh, this weekend in Sydney, and There is plenty of climate action happening around the country as well as the one thing that's happening currently in another city (laughs) and the other people's blockade that just happened last weekend, which you've been hearing about on this show. There are more things coming up in Melbourne. There is a December rebellion um, being organised by Extinction Rebellion, which is a, a week of consistent protests, I guess, to keep the climate emergency in the forefront of people's minds and in the news cycle as we're about to enter into what is potentially a very um, long, hot and dangerous summer. And of course, this year has been one an extraordinary year of natural disasters all around the globe as well as one of record-breaking temperatures. And so it is really worthwhile that... Uh, we keep talking about why is this happening, does it have to happen, or can we do something about it to change. Uh, another thing that's happening all across the country, including in our own city of Brisbane, is Move Beyond Coal, which is sort of the um, what was the Stop Adani movement. They are doing a week of action turning up the heat from December 4th to 12th with actions... Um, all around the country, mostly targeting the Labor government, Labor MPs, who, of course, um, managed to get in by saying, we're not as bad on climate as the Liberals and Scott Morrison, but there's so much more to do, more that needs to be done. And so um, you can find out all the info on that on the Move Beyond Coal website, movebeyondcoal.com. And I'll tell you what, there'll be a lot more climate protests coming up don't worry about that, and we will endeavour to bring you news about them on the Paradigm Shift here on 4ZZZ, but also um, you could be a part of it as well. You don't want to be one of those people who, um, when we talk about what what were you doing while the world had a chance to stop irreversible climate change, you you can't remember what you were doing, or you are too busy, or uh, something like that. Uh, There's so many groups out there trying all kinds of different things and all of them could do with more people. So the opportunity is there for you to get involved too. And uh, certainly there's a lot of amazing people around the country and I was fortunate to get to see a lot of them at the People's Blockade of the world's biggest coal port. And so I'll see you out there on the climate front lines. Otherwise, see you on the radio next week.